listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Matthew 7. In just a moment, we'll be reading starting in verse 7 of Matthew 7. And earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, this greatest sermon that Jesus, uh, the greatest sermon of all time because it was Jesus who, who proclaimed it. And, and a little earlier in the sermon, we saw the Lord's uh, prayer, sort of an example or instructions, a model on how we are to pray. And now as, as the sermon is winding down, as he's getting ready to, in a sense, land the plane and, and bring his sermon to an end, he is now addressing prayer again and about the intensity and the urgency by which we are to be people of prayer and, and, and the promises that are connected to prayer, praying in such a way that we will get results from God. And this is what these verses we're going to be looking at today about asking from God, receiving from God, all that he has in store for his children. And so we're going to start reading in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For whoever asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you, are then, if you then are who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now there's an important principle that D.A. Carson penned a number of years ago, and, and, and it's an important principle when it comes to reading, interpreting, and teaching, and applying the Word of God. And so before we get into the bulk of the message, we need to just see this and understand this, and, and, and it gives us context into where we're going to be going here. And this is the statement that D.A. Carson uh, has given, a text without a context is a pretext. All right, so let that go through your brain. I encourage you to even write that down. And, and basically what he's saying, now without examining the content in, with, in which verses like we have just read, if we don't examine the content in which they were written, one can easily and intentionally or even unintentionally misappropriate, misappropriate or misuse or misapply or misrepresent the the text in order to support a position that it does not support in and of itself. And, and not only is this a bad rule when it comes to understanding and applying the Bible, not only is this a bad principle and bad exegesis, it's a sin against the Word of God. We don't like it when somebody misrepresents what we have said. Has that ever happened? In your life where somebody takes something and says something, it's like, I did not say that. That was not my intent when I said that to you. Well, in the same way, when we take and we misuse the word of God and we apply a passage of scripture and make it say what it does not say, that is wrong and that is a sin against the word of God. And, and this is happening so much 
in churches today, and this is part of the reason why we are doing that mini-series that we talked about a little earlier, is learning to discern, to, to be people who, who aren't just taking snippets of God's word here and there to kind of pad our argument or make God's word say what we want it to say. We need to be looking at the word of God in the context in which it was given. And this passage has oftentimes been, been preached and taught and read in a way that isn't consistent with proper biblical interpretation and with prayer and with humility and with trembling, we are going to desire this morning to interpret this passage properly in a way that honors God in the context that it was written with the meaning and with the application that we can take that God's intent in in having these words given to us what it was all meant to be. And so people at times will take these verses when he says, when Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Basically, whatever you want, it's yours. Whatever kind of a shopping list that you have on your, your plans, your agenda, your dreams, just say it and it's yours. Or, or seek and you will find it's yours. Or, or knock and it will be open. Just have faith. Just, just demand a blessing from God. It's this name it and claim it sort of reality or mentality that people have. You need a new car, just believe that that car will come. A house upgrade or, or, or a house period or maybe it is a marriage or a healing or a job or a promotion. And there's this common belief that promotes verses like this, taking verses like this out of context as well as other verses, and, and, and there's a belief that goes that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can expect health and wealth and happiness every day of your life, and, and things will just go amazingly well. Just name it and claim it all. After all, you have a heavenly Father who wants to give you good things to all who ask. I mean, we just read that, right? You have a fa- heavenly Father who just wants to spoil you rotten. It could be interpreted that way, and it is oftentimes. And people will turn these verses along with a handful of others and and, and, and teach, teach you that God is your primary ticket to success. Just sign on to God's plan and God's agenda and, 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 and it's your ticket to, to, to success here in this world. Things will just go amazingly well. Prayer ends up becoming like that celestial slot machine, if you want to call it. Just, just pray, have a little faith, you know, ask, pull the, the lever or whatever you call it. I've never used one of those machines. I've watched people use those machines. But, you know, just pull the lever, you know, ask, pull it again, seek, knock, and woohoo! It's going to happen. The windfall is on your way. And yet, sadly, when it comes to health and wealth and, and, and these kind of teachings, when, when it doesn't pan out in the way that it was promised, in the way that people had hoped, they become disillusioned and discouraged and oftentimes will turn away from God. Or they see this kind of teaching on television and it becomes just something they laugh at. And, and, and we can all get pegged as people like that where clearly we're not. But these verses in, in, in verses 7 to 11 here in chapter 7 of Matthew they just didn't fall out of thin air. And so we have to look at it in the context in which Jesus gave it and what Jesus is saying and what was the buildup to what he had to say there. And see, understanding the context of God's word is very important, it's vital. And and we're commanded to to read and to take God's word in this kind of way. And, and, And what Jesus is calling us to here are outright commands. And, and he's telling us to ask and to seek and to knock, but what are we to be asking and seeking and knocking for? That's the big question. But so oftentimes 
in life and even in the Christian life, we as his followers, with all of our deficiencies and shortcomings, we can feel like failures. And maybe you're here today and you just don't even feel very much like you're even a Christian today because it's been a hard or a difficult week. You've been reminded of your your inadequacies and your failures. And as Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount, when we started this series back, remember last July when we started this series on the Sermon on the Mount and we started with the Beatitudes, we see the, the, the demands in what Jesus is calling his kingdom, his followers, his disciples, his kingdom people to live and how we are to live a holy life, a Christ-like life. And, and, and as disciples, we want to, and Jesus was calling us to live lives that would please the Lord. And yet we, we come up short continually so many times in our lives, at least I do, and, and I think I'm in probably good company with that, and so we just try harder, and we just think, I've got to be more disciplined, I've got to smarten up, I've got to start doing this, I've got to stop doing that. If I just get a little, little more attraction, a little more discipline, you know, and, and, and the Christian life becomes something like the spiritual treadmill where we just start running and, and striving and just thinking, if I just go a little harder, get a little harder, and yet like on a treadmill, you're running hard and you're getting tired of it, but you're not getting anywhere. We want to obey Jesus. We want to live a life that will bring glory to him. And we can't do it on our own. And Jesus understands that and he knows that and that is why he is saying, you need to ask, you need to seek, you need to knock. And so as Jesus was sharing these words with his disciples on the hillside and those that would listen and then those today that would listen to his word, he is offering us hope He's offering us how we can live a life that would bring him glory and where we would experience his strength in our lives on a daily basis. This is not a prayer. This is not a command that Jesus gives for us to have our wallets filled to make us successful in the eyes of man. But this is to understand and to grow in the love and the power and the favor of God. It's not about receiving all of our worldly and fleshly desires and plans and the greeds of our heart. This asking and seeking and knocking is so much different. This is for daily spiritual resources that only God can give. And so oftentimes we're running on our own spiritual resources. We're or not even spiritual, our own physical resources. And on coffee, on a good night's sleep. And if those things happen in our life, then we may be able to pull through. And if a few things in our lives seem to kind of go well through the day, we're going to have a good day. And we're just kind of powering on our own. And he says, don't do that. Go on my power. Go on my strength. This is about a call and a command to a daily, persistent going after Jesus, pursuing his life in us, knowing that he is the ultimate giver of good things, and he is the one who gives his children power to be able to live life with a joy and a freedom and a strength and even a victory that comes over areas of sin and guilt and failure in our lives. And this asking in the way that he's telling us here in the makeup of these verses, this asking, this seeking, and this knocking is a continual thing. This is keep on doing this. And no, we pray and we ought to pray and be people of prayer when there's bad news. When we're facing a crisis, we pray, don't we? And, and we'll pray at times throughout the day, throughout the night, when we're facing trials and difficulties. We pray when we are desperate, don't we? We pray when, when we're waiting for the test results. 
we're waiting and praying when we're anticipating that surgery and, and hoping that it will go well. We, we, we pray and we get desperate for that prodigal who is making bad choices and ruining their lives. We, we pray and we get desperate for that person who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and we're so concerned about them. We pray with desperation when we're in financial trouble. And that's a good thing. We're commanded to pray always. Jesus told us that, to pray and never give up. We pray when we're before a job interview or an exam, and, and, and that's a good thing. We pray for those kind of things. We pray when a relationship or even a life is hanging in the balance. We pray when we pray desperately, don't we, man, when we see the blue and red lights flashing coming towards us, and the next thing the blue and red lights are flashing behind us. We pray with desperation then, don't we, for grace and for mercy. We pray when we're frightened or when we're in danger. We pray with intensity over these things. And, and that's, as I said, that's a good thing that we ought to do. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we are to pray without ceasing. We are to pray. I heard years ago as a teenager, I heard a sermon by Chuck Swindoll, and, and he talked about this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5 about pray without ceasing. And he said, this is like praying with the intensity of a hacking cough. That is the way that we are to pray. We pray. You ever have one of those? You know, that tickle in the back of your throat. You've gone through a cold, and then the last part of that cold is just that cough, that kind of dry cough in the back of your throat, and it just won't go away. And, and, and through the night, you can't sleep. And through the day, you drive people crazy because you're coughing all day long, and you have this and this tickle, and you're trying to drink water and different things. I, I remember getting that a number uh, in my teenage years, and my mom had a solution for that problem, or so she thought. It was absolutely disgusting and I didn't find that at work because I probably didn't do it properly. What she would encourage us to, to do or she would make for us and then make us drink it was warm milk, which just disgusts me right out of the gate when I hear that, with some butter in it and then some little salt for flavor and then a whole bunch of black pepper in it. And then you're supposed to sip it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And she comes, you haven't, you need to drink it, you know, drink it. And, 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 and it's like, it's disgusting, mom. So when she'd walk out of the room, I'd plug my nose and just dowed the hatch, you know. And, and, and she'd come back there, much better. And I would continue to keep coughing. She said, it will coat your throat, the, the burn from the pepper, you know, and all of this. Well, in the same way that that hacking cough can drive us crazy, we are, God wants us to approach him in prayer, to, to come before him. We're told in, in, in Hebrews chapter 4 that we are to approach the throne of grace and we are to come with confidence. And we'll get into that just in a few moments. But, but this is a prayer that we are, this is a call to prayer with desperation, Take a look at, at, at the promise that, that is made in James chapter 1. When we seek wisdom, here, here's an incredible promise. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. You, you need wisdom? God will give it. You need spiritual resources and power? God will give it. He will provide it. And we're going to see that here. Philippians chapter 4, another great verse. We don't have it on the screen, but you just may want to look it up and write down Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, what are we to do? Pray. We are to pray. We are to seek God. And so Jesus here in these verses 
as he has come through the Sermon on the Mount and he's given us all of these different instructions and we're going to see exactly what some of those are, he's going to say, in order to see this reality in your life, you are to ask, you are to seek, and you are to knock. And he, he's, he's talking specifically for spiritual growth, spiritual power, and spiritual resources that are available to his children. Listen to this. Every resource, every Strength that you need to live the kingdom life that you have been called to live is available through the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have been touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power, the strength, the resources that you have to live a godly life are available and they are attainable for you and for me. In the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is giving this, he's giving us the details of what a life in the kingdom looks like, what a disciple ought to look like. It's available and attainable, everything we read in, in chapters 5 through to chapter 7. When he started with the Beatitudes in chapter 5, when he talked about those attitudes that ought to be a characteristic in our lives. That we would be people who understand our poverty in spirit. That without God and without his power, without the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that we have no hope. We come with this, nothing in my hand I bring, only God I cling to you. I cling to the truth of the word, what you have to say in and through the gospel message. He goes on to talk in the Beatitudes about being people who are broken before God. People who have a poverty of spirit, this, the, a meek and a humble spirit. And we're generally proud and we become so arrogant in, in so many different ways in our lives. And, and, and he helps us to pursue meekness and humility and, and, and to pursue a greater hunger and a thirst for God more than the fleeting passions and desires of this world. Or, or the ability, as we continue reading through the Sermon on the Mount, the ability to be salt and light to, in a world to those around us where there is filled with decay and darkness. To be ready and to be able to experience his power and provision when, when we are ridiculed or attacked or even persecuted for our faith in Jesus Christ. There's power, there's strength available for us to be people who, of our word, to be able to keep our word, that our yes would be a yes and our no would be a no as he gave instructions on oaths and being people who keep our word. He can help us with that. For daily power in the, in, in the battle and the struggle, struggle that we face with anger, whether it's an external anger or an internal anger, anger that we struggle with. With lust, with bitterness, with unforgiveness, with purity, pursuing a life of purity. It's available, is attainable through the power of God for his children. To live with the right focus in a world that distracts us and consumes us with all of the wrong appetites that are fleeting and not lasting and, and, and many of them even sinful. He'll help us to be able to get the right value approach on the things of this world, to live for heavenly treasures and not seeking earthly treasures first and foremost in our lives. Not succumbing to the materialistic pressures we see in our world. He'll give us strength and power to, to look at others with pure motives. To be able to have hearts that truly worship him that has given to him, that honors him, to help us in, in truly seeking him in prayer and in fasting. He will help us and give us strength so that we're not anxious, instead that we can come to trust him, so that we don't live in fear, in the fear that can ruin our lives. There's hope and there's help that is promised. These are resources that are for his children. 
to help us in not being judgmental of others in a way that is hypocritical and self-righteous. We're to be judgmental when it comes to discerning, but we are to be loving when we speak the truth in love. We talked about that a few weeks ago. I mean, we hear, we read through Matthew 5 to 7, and you're like, ah, I can't, who can live like this? I can try, but I'm going to fail. How is this ever possible? Am I ever going to be able, who can meet the demands what Jesus is laying out here? And yet it's a reality, as he says, as you are people who ask and you seek and as you knock. Second Peter verses 1, verse 3, it says, uh, and, and this is Peter, one of the, I love Peter because he was such a messed up disciple in so many different ways. I see so much of himself in me or myself in him. And he said this, he said, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to, a life, of, to, to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his glo- out of his own glory and excellence. Everything that we need to live a life of godliness, to experience, it's available for us. And perhaps today you're discouraged and you just kind of think, you know what, maybe you're just barely clinging on. I mean, you made it here today, but your spiritual life is just kind of flatlined. Maybe it's taken some dips over the last little while and, 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 and you're just kind of discouraged. It's been a terrible week or month or the last few months as you've been confronted with your own failure and your lukewarmness or your weakness in the battle and the struggle that is all around you and the things that you're facing. Or maybe it's been a great week. Maybe it's just one filled with victory, experience his power and, and, and his, his, his life flowing in and through. That's awesome. We want to celebrate that. But wherever you are at today, today and then again tomorrow, we are going to need fresh resources. We're going to need fresh power from him in a deepening and in a greater way daily. And so I encourage you to write this down is the big idea in our message here this morning. True and ultimate provisions come from God when. True and ultimate provisions come from God when, and the first one is, when we pray with perseverance. Look at what he says here. I encourage you to even write this down in this way because I'm going to give some understanding to what he says here when he says, ask, seek, and knock here in this passage. The ask means that we are bringing our needs to our Heavenly Father. This word suggests humility and in a very simple Humble, earnest, coming before God and simply asking. But the word seek, when he says seek, this is a stronger asking. There's a participation involved in this here. This is a moving of our eyes. This is looking around for help. This is an active pursuit of God's way in our lives and what God's word has to say. And so we study the word of God. This is seeking his word, seeking his word through scripture. This is seeking at times godly counsel in our lives, godly counsel that is instructing you in the word of God. And so this is an asking where we come and ask God, but then we're seeking, we're looking, we're looking to his word, we're looking for this discernment, we're, we're desiring for the Holy Spirit to give us conviction in certain areas and, and, and wisdom from the word of God. As we look for opportunities, as we seek these opportunities in our lives, and then the last one, knock. This is a persistent diligence. This is a knocking and not giving up. This isn't just ring the doorbell once and knock once and walk away. This is a constant, continual form of knocking, a pounding and banging 
on a door that is closed. There's a desperation that, that is meant here and a desperation for God to work, a God, desperation for God to move on our behalf. But you know what? The truth of the reality is we're just oftentimes not very desperate, are we? We can just figure we can power through it on our own. We can just, you know, get through it and, and just live this, this half flat line to every once in a while, a little blurp on the radar Christian life where he promises so much more. And notice this asking and seeking and knock. It's on an ascending scale. It's just continuing in urgencies. These are present, these are present uh, imperatives that he's giving to us, meaning that Jesus was implying just not a one-time deal, a constant, continuous action in our lives, that this is just a daily attitude and a heart presence before him where we ask and we seek and we knock. This is kind of like the parent who daily oftentimes will remind their child, clean up your room. And when they say clean up your room, it's just not a one and done. It's not just, you know, you clean it up and it's good for the next month. The parent, when they say, did you clean up your room or go clean your room, they are meaning that this should be a continuous action in their life, right? That they shouldn't have to be reminded to clean up their room the next day and, or later on that day or however it might be, right? And, and so there's this continuous action, this, this daily Coming before God in desperation, a daily asking, seeking, and knocking. But we live in such an instant society, don't we? I mean, we like things to happen, and, and when we get, if things don't happen the way we want, we get bored. Or we move on to something else. And God is wanting to teach us as his children patience and perseverance and pushing through. And we're going to see it's because he's good and because he knows what is good and he's not going to spoil us as his children. He's going to, he wants to raise and see children who love him, understand him, are patient, are, are, are dependent on him. But we live in such an instant society. I remember when we got our first microwave oven. <laughs> it was so amazing. I mean, it meant no longer in the morning that my mom, she, she would take buns out of the freezer and she would heat them up in the oven. And what would that do? Dry them out. You know, and, or else they wouldn't be, you know, either they'd be dried up rocks or else they would be still frozen in the middle. Either way, they're hard on your teeth and, and, and not the easiest things to swallow. And now you pull them out of the microwave and whoa, it's like fresh bread just out of the, how does it do that? Now we get frustrated when it's like, oh, it's still frozen in the center. I'm going to have to put it in for, you know, push that, you know, we have to push three buttons to get another three minutes, you know, like what's taking it so long? And, we're, you know, we've just become so... Remember dial-up internet? Oh, remember the noise that it made? I can almost hear it in my sleep, sometimes waiting for it to connect, waiting for it to... But once you were, you're on the World Wide Web. Oh, it's so amazing, wasn't it? And, and, but then it jammed the phone lines, and people would try calling you, and they couldn't because they would just get this weird, busy sound, or, you know, and, and some of you are saying, what's a phone line? You know, and, uh, and then you got high speed, but then you had to get super high speed, and now we got frustrated when it's like, oh, the internet's so slow here at work, or at the hotel, or downtown, or here at the theater, or whatever. You know, you know I only have three bars, you know, and, and we just like things just like, I mean, we go in a grocery store, and we look for what? The longest line? Like, who does that, right? We're looking, you know, okay, and do you ever check out the worker and, and kind of say, okay, do they look like a newbie? Have I seen them here before? You know, or do they look kind of stunned as they're doing their job? You know, you're looking for somebody who could, come on, I, I'm important, I got to get moving, right? You know, and fast food restaurants. I learned this from an old friend. Godly man, such wisdom. 
that when you go into a, a fast food restaurant and if there's a lot of people in line and you know you're going to be there a long time to take your order, and you know what you do, and we've done this, where, where some uh, in, in our you know, few members of the family will go sit down and reserve a table, the rest of us will get into the car and go through drive through and do your order and then you come in and you eat it right in the restaurant. And it's much faster, it's like you guys are still in line, I got my greasy burger already, I mean it's awesome. Some of you are going to go and you're going to try that probably this afternoon, aren't you? It's, uh, at least you will learn one thing in church this week, perhaps. And, and, and we do these things because, you know, and, and I mean, we just want things to happen fast and quickly on our timetable and we get bored. And what Jesus is saying here, we are to ask, we are to seek, and we are to knock. And, and this is a continuous... Even when it seems like it's not happening, when we get discouraged, and sometimes what happens is we pray, it's not happening, we get discouraged, or we conclude our prayers don't work, they're not making a difference, that, that God's maybe not hearing our prayers and, and, and taking us seriously, and, and yet at times our prayers can be hindered. It is true that sometimes our prayers are hindered, and, and when there's unconfessed, unrepentant sin in our lives, when we're living a life that is not giving glory to God, He is not obligated to answer our prayers. He's like, you've got to deal with some of this stuff going on in your life. There's, there's something that you need to repent, you need to make right, you need to start or stop, whatever it might be. Or sometimes our prayers are hindered, like even in James chapter 4, verse 3, um, we have this instruction and this reminder that you ask... Um, and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And so sometimes we're not asking for the right things, but Jesus here is telling us how to ask for the right things. And we're going to see that as we continue on here for these spiritual resources that, that, that bring honor and glory ultimately to him. And see, perseverance and desperation is a key part of our prayer life. That, that like a, a fish, have you ever seen a fish out of water? How it will flip and flop and do whatever to get back into the water? At the end of our street, we have a pond and, and we'll go there and, and, and we've taken a net and put a, um, taped on the handle to that, a golf ball retriever. And so it's a nice long net, and we can pick up these turtles, and, you, and they're beautiful colored turtles. We'll take a look at them. And it's amazing. You put the turtle. Turtles are usually known for moving slowly. Are you kidding me? You put it on the ground, and those things hightail for the water so fast. They're eager to get back, just as a fish or a turtle is eager, eager to get back in the water. There is this push, this, this reminder, this Asking, seeking, knocking, pounding on the door of heaven. This ought to be our regular posture. Oh God, I need you. We need you in our, in our land, in our nation, in our family, in my life, in the workplace, in my marriage, in, in my finances. God, I'm coming with you and I'm asking and I'm seeking and I'm knocking and I'm, I'm going to continue to keep doing this on a daily basis. But oftentimes we just don't pray with perseverance. We just, one and done, we're done. We move on to other things, and we try in our own power and strength, and he says, ask. The second thing that we see here, true and ultimate provisions come from God when we pray with confidence. Look at in verse 8. It says, for whoever asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. Just as they were singing a few moments ago that all of his promises are yes and amen. And this is what Jesus is saying here. When you ask, you will receive. When you seek, you will find. When you knock, the door will be open. And this passage shows us that, that 
that we should be convinced of God's readiness to answer our prayers. He's just waiting. He's waiting to answer our prayers. As we daily ask and seek and knock, there will be a giving, there will be a finding, and there will be an opening that's available to us. But it's not available for everyone. This is available for those who are here today, those around our world, anyone who has come to our great God, who has bowed their knee, literally or not literally, but bowed this posture on their heart of humility, verbalizing your need for a Savior, having believed and trusted that Jesus is the one and only Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God, the perfect Son of God who took on human flesh, lived a perfect life, went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin that we deserve, that He took the sin penalty. He bore the wrath of God on our behalf on the cross, and then He rose in victory giving all those who put their trust and their faith in him forgiveness, cleansing, adoption into his family, the promise of eternal life, and the seal, the promise of his Holy Spirit. So it's his power in us, working in and through us, not us working, striving harder, but his power flowing in and through our lives. And not only then are we able to receive the promise of eternal life, he promises us all the resources at heaven's disposal for us as his children to live a life of victory, to live a life of his power. And we can have lives that are marked with forgiveness and compassion rather than revenge or bitterness. Daily, we can experience small victories day by day, leading to larger victories in the area of, of pride and self-righteousness. Or materialism that, that just can, can just consume our lives. We can, can see the things of this world becoming less and less as the things of heaven and the things of God and his kingdom become greater and greater. There's victory in the area of lust and pornography. And, and there's victory and power in areas of anger, whether that's with your child or with your spouse or in the workplace or whoever, in politics, whatever it is, that anger and hate can be changed and transformed from the inside out through the power of the Holy Spirit as we're asking and we are receiving from Him and He is empowering and strengthening us. There's help and power for a deepening prayer life. Help and wisdom to be salt and light to those around us, to endure difficulties and hardships that are sure to come. They will. Every provision is available to kingdom people, to followers of Jesus Christ. All we need to do is ask. And we can come boldly, as Hebrews 4.16 says. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can come with confidence knowing that there is mercy, there's grace to help us in our time of need. We were back in Alberta at the church that we pastored for 13 years before moving to Kelowna. We were there for a wedding last weekend, and, and I met this dear lady. She's a widow. Her husband died shortly after, about a year after they moved to the town in which we lived, and they started coming to our church. And after them being there for about a year, he passed away. And she reminded me again with tears. This was probably 
12, 13 years ago now. And she said, you know, I prayed shortly after coming to this church that God would deepen my love and my intimacy for him. That I wanted just more of him. And she said it was about a month and a half later when Warren died. And he died suddenly. And she said, I didn't know how I was going to get through. And she says, I miss him. And this is where the tears were welling. I miss him every day. But God has answered that prayer. He has been there faithfully carrying me, being my companion, my strength, my wisdom. She said, God is so faithful. He is so faithful. His promises are true to us. Being his child isn't going to mean we're going to escape hardship and trial and difficulty and disease and death. We have an underlying power and strength and a joy and a confidence. It's been an amazing joy to watch Al and Sandy wail over these last few months with a cancer diagnosis. Now going through the treatment. They're marveling. They're wondering. They're question, not questioning. Their confidence is in God and they're just amazed at the peace and the strength and, and, and his blessing that they're experiencing in a situation that would cause so many just to fall apart. That's the power of God. That's his kingdom provisions available for us as his children. We ask and we seek and we knock and he takes care of his children. These words of Jesus they're filled with confidence for us. Assurance. They shout assurance to his children. The only condition for receiving these spiritual treasures is that faith and that persistence of God, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to honor you. But I need your help. And he will come through. If we persistently ask for increased spiritual growth and understanding and intimacy with God, we will receive it. It's promised in his word. We see it here. Remember, this isn't a blank check just to get whatever we want and have an easy life. God knows what we need best because that brings us to our last point here today, that true and ultimate provisions come from God when we trust in the parenting in God's parenting of his children. He is eager to answer our prayers. Listen in, in verse 9. For which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will come, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. Our Heavenly Father is more eager to bless us than we are to bless our own kids. And, and, and as parents, as grandparents, don't you want to just bless and love on your kids? I mean, sometimes we want to, you know, I mean, ah, our kids. And yet the, the, the father, the, parent, the mother, the parenting heart that we have wants to bless our kids. We want to love them. We want to uh, take, take hits for them. We want to, I mean, stand in for them where we have to. We don't want to see our kids hurt in, in, in any sort of way. We want to help them, right? 
We do. I mean, that's just what we want to be able to do. And last weekend, again, we, we picked up our daughter in Calgary and then moved on to Edmonton. And, and we had a, a visit with Clarice, uh, who's going to school there on our way there. And we took her with us. And then on the way home, both times on the way there, we had a few hours. And on the way home, we had a, had a little bit of time to get some groceries for her. To, Charlotte was doing some, some laundry at her place for her, not for herself. And, and, and I was you know, washing her car because for some reason she just wasn't doing that and, and giving it a cleaning and, and checking, you know, the oil levels and making sure it was all good. And, you know, and, and give, we were giving her some money at the end. Here's some money for groceries. I mean, we just want to bless our kids, right? And, and, and yet we do it. I mean, we do it out of a heart of love, but we can do it so imperfectly at times. But here, and, and, and so what Jesus is saying here, you folks, you know, you want to give good things to your kids. And, and he says, but what parent is going to give their hungry kid a stone? I mean, even when it comes to giving our daughter grocery money, you know, we're giving her actual cash. It wasn't like, here's some pop cans, take those and, you know, use that to buy. No, we were giving her, you know, actual money. We wanted to come alongside her. Or, or, or what parent will, will, you know, hey, do you want a nice filet of fish? You want a fish sandwich? And they open it up and here it's a snake in there. Like, what parent would do that? I mean, you just wouldn't do that. I mean, that's just cruel. And what Jesus is saying in verse 11, he says, if you who are evil, which... Technically, biblically, positionally, we are. <laughs> you fallen, corrupted by sin, at times self-centered, impatient, lacking wisdom kind of people. That's, he's referring to us in that way. You want to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly father want to give good gifts to his own? And God promises, Romans 8.32, he says, He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. I mean, God, he gave us his best. He gave us his one and only son to come here to this earth to die in our place. He gave us his best. And he, in Luke's rendition of the, the Sermon on the Mount, and, and as he closes this out, this is what he says in verse 13. Take a look at this from, from Luke 11. It says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So here he even clarifies, he, he, he says the good things that he gives, it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's Jesus' life in me. And so you can read that, he says, how much more will he give you Jesus' power and the strength of Christ in and through you? The Holy Spirit is the amazing Third person of the Trinity. He seals our salvation. He gives us the assurance of our salvation. We read that in Ephesians 1. In John 14, we see that he is our helper. He is our comforter. He gives us peace and strength through the storms in life. He is our teacher. He helps us to understand and illuminate our minds when it comes to understanding the word of God. He convicts us of sin and of the things that will destroy our lives. And he reminds us through that, you may call it that still small voice. That is his Holy Spirit convicting us through his word and also by his spirit in our lives. God may not give us the job, the sale, the spouse, the car, the career, whatever it is that we're looking for, the healing that we're asking and prevailing and, and, and trusting him for, but he will give us the best of things. He will give us himself. He offers himself his strength his power. There are times I'm so thankful that he has not answered my prayers. He's an, well, he has answered my prayers, but he's not answered them with a yes. He's answered them with a no. And I'm so thankful as time goes on for his refusal to answer some of those prayers. But in time, you start to see his good and his perfect 
hand at work. But as we ask and as we seek and knock with perseverance and confidence and we come to trust in his loving hand, that he loves us, his caring parenting hand, he wants to provide for us, he wants to give us all good things that are good for us. Oh, that we would be on our faces daily, asking, seeking, knocking, not just for the 911 calls in our lives, but daily, a deep desperation. I need you, God. I need you today. I'm going to need you again tomorrow, so I'm going to ask tomorrow, but I need you today. One of the speakers this past weekend mentioned in uh, Revelation 18 as God is preparing to judge the world, one of the primary, or two of the primary areas where the, his judgment will fall and, and, and be so, so damning and so exposing is, is the judgment of sexual immorality and luxurious living. And afterwards, I prayed with some of our guys. I said, we're so messed up here in the Okanagan. Because whether it's sexual immorality or luxurious living, struggle with sexual purity in our lives, and the this, this struggle with materialism and looking and seeing and wanting and thinking we have to have, we're in trouble. I mean, all of Canada, but especially here in the Okanagan, it's on steroids. These have to do with our affections and our worship. Dear ones, I pray that there would be that affection, that growing, deepening affection for Christ in our lives, that growing, deepening affection for his life, his power flowing in and through us every day. And as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, I'm going to ask the worship band to come up. Trust that today, wherever you are at, if you are needy, and I hope you are, I hope you see that through this, we are all needy. That when we came to Christ, we were needy for salvation. We were needing, needy for Christ's touch upon our lives. We were needy for his forgiveness and his cleansing over us. No amount of good works could ever make you good enough to earn God's favor. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your, as your Lord and your Savior, if you've never given your heart to him, that's your greatest need today. And you can give your heart to him today. Bow your heart to him Run to Jesus. Say, I want to, I come to you as my Savior, as my Lord, as the forgiver of my sins, and I want to turn my heart over to you, my life to you. I repent of my sins, and I desire for your life to flow into me and then out of me in a continual way by your Holy Spirit. God's word says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But in the same way today, perhaps you're here, you, you are his child, you've, you've come to him, but you know what, we're all needy, we need more of him. We're needy for his power in, in us. Do we ask, do we seek, do we knock? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning and we recognize that there are resources that we just haven't even tapped into because we have just been running on our own. And even now, through hearts that are bowed, hearts that are desiring to worship and to look further to you this week and even in these moments ahead, that you would do a, a deep and a profound each one of uh, work in each one of our hearts, whether that's saving the person who does not know you yet but is trusting you today for the first time as, your, as their Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of their sins. For those that are your children here, that we would run to you in repentance and trying and striving for our own things and, and chasing after fleeting things and not the most important things. And would there be a hunger and a desire? And I pray that even as we walk forward today to receive the Lord's Supper, it would be an acknowledgement of our desperate need for more of you. And then as we take the bread and as we 
drink from the cup, we would just be reminded of your shed blood, of your love, your sacrifice for us, and that your power is available to us today and throughout this week. Your cleansing power, but also your life-giving power for us to live a life of godliness, to live a life dependent upon you. And so I pray that you would meet us here. In your name, Jesus. Amen.